You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome to the episode 4 of the Equalizer, number 2, Lame as All Heck. Oh no, wait, I'm not supposed to reveal, but hold I think on, Hold on, Welcome to the Oz Network. Behind curtain number 1, uh, a brand new car! Uh, no, okay, the Oz Network for uh, a movie review for the... Number two movie at the box office this weekend, but the number one movie in all of our hearts. Number two is in number two two when you go to the poo poo. No, all I'll say is this in introduction. We're here to talk about Equalizer Two, starring Denzel Washington. My name is Colin and get ready for a fight. There's a reason why we're doing this episode. My name is Jamie and we're still married and not divorced. Yeah. Um this is going to be an interesting one because I feel like most of the movies we've reviewed on here have been ones where we've typically agreed, and those that we haven't uh, agreed on, um, strangely enough, you give the wrong review to. Usually, I like and you hate. No, it, uh, well, like that recent Red Sparrow, like that recent movie with the, what is it, yeah. Gods of Egypt. Oh, don't get into that. Well, it's such a good movie. It's not a good movie. See, I, I honestly believe that you do these things just to get on my nerves because this is exactly like how you claim no, actually... that Timothy Dalton was the best James Bond for probably three years just to see how f- far it would get to me. Okay, yes, but this is different. I actually added it to my Netflix queue to watch it again. I then actually liked it. You have real issues, uh, and we'll find out why when. Uh, we hear what you're going to be doing with your time. For the other movie that beat this out of the box office this weekend, um, we're not talking about Mamma Mia 2. We're talking about the good sequel, Equalizer 2, uh, starring Denzel Washington. So this is the sequel to the 2014 movie Denzel Washington was in. Also was directed by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, and the spinoff of the 80s TV series. A series I've never seen. But first thing I'm just going to say is, like, when you watch these movies, can you not, maybe if you don't immediately get it, can you not actually just feel like these fit that whole 80s crime TV show genre. I mean, it, it, it the whole idea about just a guy living and going about his everyday life and just looking for people to help. And that's that's what the, that's what makes the Equalizer so great. It's not like he, he's always on the case and, uh, you know, he's got this new murder investigation. He's just going around, driving a cab, working at Home Depot... And whenever he sees somebody who's in a little bit of trouble, he just takes upon himself to love them. That's what I love about this. It feels like something straight out of the 80s or early 90s. I think that they nailed the genre. Um, whether or not this movie nailed it as much as the first, I don't know. But I mean, I still thought that it was fun for what it was. Um, I could definitely understand what you're saying about the genre. Um, it nailing it. But, you know, honestly, I feel like this movie had some pretty good parts. But I feel like from what really hurt this movie is it was incredibly slow incredibly well, slow to get to any point in the movie and it was so predictable it was and, not and, predictable and, and i'm not even a person that's like super intelligent in as in the means of predicting stories and being able to necessarily follow foreshadowing every time but so predictable uh can i just say i i agree with some things you said i mean it is slow but it's not slow in a bad way this is this is a classic <laughs> no listen <laughs> It's like an 80s movie. I mean, uh, yeah, well, this is more like an 80s TV show, as I said, but it's slow just in the point that it takes its time to build. It's not just 
I mean, I love John Wick. I mean, if this, I, I'm a huge fan of the geriatric genre. I was you know, just Jack literally Reacher. about to bring up the geriatric genre. Yeah. genre. And I was, just, I was gonna say, uh, with the same line, I was gonna say John Wick one to John Wick two. What what would you think? And you're gonna be like, that's not fair. You can't even compare that. Okay, the first Equalizer was amazeballs. Was so yeah. good. I mean, John Wick one was better than Equalizer one. That's just my opinion. But John Wick two, honestly, was. Like to me, just as good as the first. Okay, uh, amazing. Those, no, and this this one, it's like it was maybe half as good as the first equal. First of all, John Wick is on a completely different level. Oh my gosh! Okay, I knew no, you were John. Say that. No, this is like John Wick one to two is like Terminator to Terminator two. I mean, John Wick two blows everything away on every level. John Wick two is the Godfather part two of action movies. And in case you haven't listened to enough uh, with uh, podcasts with me on them. Keanu Reeves was my first celebrity crush when I was a teenager, and he is my number one favorite. Not Denzel Washington? No. Oh, something's wrong with you. I mean, he's not... No, Denzel Washington, that's a man. He, he's not a bad-looking guy, <laughs> but Keanu, like, and he, him as a human being in real life, amazing person. You do know... He's an amazing human being, okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that he was, like, uh, I don't know, saving saving the world, he's, and... He's, like, super nice and a regular guy who just rides the subway. Oh, okay, so wait... Uh, being an amazing human being means that you're super nice and you ride the subway. So the friendly guy who talks to people on public transportation here in Winnipeg is an amazing human being. You just described every person in Winnipeg as well, if we're amazing people. I didn't say talking to other people. When I rode public transportation before, I didn't want anybody to talk to me. That's weird. Because you're creepy. a terrible person. That's the difference, right? No, I have no problem conversing with strangers, but in, in such a small space, it's just too weird. You know, you've made this about the Keanu Reeves is a saint uh, episode already. It's supposed to be about Denzel Washington is amazing as the equalizer. Uh, well, come on. Out of both those guys, you take them both shirtless. Which one looks better? Come on. Keanu Reeves. I don't 100%. know. I, when was the last time I saw it? I mean, Denzel Washington, he was shirtless in the hurricane. Um, you know, he played a boxer. Oh, let's. Do, do we need to Google this right now? I can't believe this is what I have to well, do I don't, to keep your focus I don't on have an any, episode. I don't have any Denzel shirtless pictures on my Pinterest board, but Keanu is on there. What are the, this? Look at this guy. He's ripped. I mean, that's like, you know... That's probably uh, from 20 years ago, but... Well, it's probably older than that, but still. Who's yeah. this guy? I don't even know who he is. Well, I mean, the hurricane. Here, look at this. This is 20 years ago, but we're 20 years ago for Denzel Washington. Yeah, he's... he's I mean... He's not a bad-looking guy, but again, Keanu would like Why Keanu. are we... Comp- <sighs> okay, anyways, let's, let, get, let's get back, let's get back to this here. movie. Okay, so... It's slow because it builds. Now, you brought up John Wick. There's a huge difference. John Wick goes from 0 to 100 in 15 minutes. It is... Normal guy, dog's dead, I'm killing everybody in 15 minutes. Equalizer is not about that. Equalizer is slow really. I mean, Jack Reacher is a perfect example. As far as the Jerry action genre goes, and again, like I am the biggest fan of Jerry action movies. For anybody out there, if we didn't mention this on our commuter review, Jamie has a thing where she buys me Jerry action films on val- Valentine's Day. <laughs> Pretty much every Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got me a John Wick where you got me the Equalizer, uh, uh, what, three years ago? For Valentine's Day, you got me. Here, here's Happy Valentine's Day. Here's the Equalizer with Denzel Washington. What did we do on that night on Valentine's Day? We watched the Equalizer. That's right, people. That's what Canadians do on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. They watch Denzel beat people up. Um, but Jack Reacher is similar to this in that it, it's not just immediately out there. It builds. This also isn't as much about story. It's about just living this guy's life. And I will say Equalizer 1 
it probably had a faster pace, but I think it had just as little story. So I don't know if you're complaining about there's nothing going on here or it takes too long to get the point is is fair because there is no difference between this and Equalizer 1 as far as the story goes. What I will say is that the main story they have is not as intriguing because the way these movies are structured is it's probably 50% just little adventures this guy has. You know, you'll in the first one, he was working at Home Depot and you would spend half the movie every once in a while just having him at work and he's trying to help this one guy who's a security guard get underweight so he could apply for a police academy. So he's, you know, running like exercise drills with him and he's telling him, get those potato chips off your sandwich, eat this. And then there's other things like, you know, uh, one of the cashiers has her ring taken in an armed robbery and then all of a sudden he just finds a way, like a little adventures, he finds a way to get this ring back to her but he never looks for the credit or anything. Then and you had. Can, whole... can you believe, by the way, that I'm 29, almost 30, and I've known you for, well, I guess 12 years now. But before that, I never heard of people putting potato chips on sandwiches. Like, it's fantastic. No, when when you told me that that was a thing or whatever, and I saw your family doing it, I thought these people are really weird. I this mean, not is sandwiches, so bizarre. More, more burgers for sure. But anything like I thought people just eat that like on the side by themselves. Well, like that's Denzel so doesn't. weird. And you want to know how you know Denzel doesn't? Because look at those abs in the hurricane. I mean, sorry, I just had to comment on the food thing because yeah, you know who I, I am. Yeah. Uh, anyways, not just because this fits in the genre of the whole TV show, we're just like your little adventures here and there. I think one of the reasons this this works as a TV adaptation is because you're not just making a one-off adventure. You can make a one-off adventure and it can suck. But the thing that works about these Equalizer movies is that you don't have to care about the overall story. The overall story is worth maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe a quarter of your movie, and the rest of it's all just, you know, what is this guy's life like? And it's different from the other movies like that because it's not as much about the story. But the, the overall, overall story of Equalizer 1 definitely was more interesting uh, when you were dealing with like the the Russian mafia and everything, and they they find a way to tie these bigger stories that that the climax really becomes about to tie that into some of the smaller stories. Like in the first one, there was the the teenage prostitute who was trying to like mentor and you know help just give her everyday advice, and and that stuff was probably my favorite stuff in the first Equalizer movie. The same time in this one, I gotta say I could have cared less about. I'm not even saying it in a bad way. I could have cared less though about the storyline with uh you know the 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 assassination attempts in Europe and uh how the government was tied to that we won't go into spoilers but that's what the movie ends up becoming what i loved was the story about this neighbor of his that who, was i was going to say that's actually my favorite oh, part of the so movie good. yeah especially the part where and i don't want to do anything for a spoiler but people who have watched the movie will understand what i'm saying when there's a point in the movie where there's a turning point and Denzel, as his character, what he always tells people is, you know, make the wrong choice or make the right choice with yeah. whatever you're doing. And there's a point in the movie where there's a turning point with him and his neighbor, and really he's actually trying to show, you know, this kid the right way to go in his life. And that, for me, is actually, like, one of my favorite scenes of the movie. It's just so powerful to me. But there's several scenes like that that are good, because it, it starts just as, you know, this kid who's... uh uh, you could tell by looking at him, it's just, they don't even tell you, but like the way they present him when he's introduced is, you know, this kid's starting to get messed up in some, some bad things. Mm -hmm. And they don't even tell you what, and you find out later on, like it's, it's crime, it's violence and stuff like that. But this kid, he know, has a good heart still. Yeah. It, you know, the whole idea is that there's some vandalism on the building and Denzel's trying to clean this up. And the kid's like, you know, I, I take art classes. I could do this. 
And he's like, fine, you take art classes. If you're going to do this, you have to do this after school. And he just uses that as an opportunity to get this kid off the street. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things about this movie is, uh, you know, the way that this kid is presented. Because, again, without giving away spoilers, it it's so subtle in that, you know, Denzel's character is just trying to turn this kid's life around without coming right out and giving that big speech, which he does at one point and being like, you know, you got to you know, get yourself on the right track. He doesn't feel he needs to do that. But when you do see it, it's really about this kid having this moment where it's like, listen, you're going to go down an extremely violent path if you basically walk out that door. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to do this. And when the violence comes around later on and this kid's exposed to it, mm -hmm. you know, when, when it, Denzel's life sort of catches up to him and he realizes what's going on, mm -hmm. you could see like the fear in this kid's face. You could oh, see how huge. terrified he was. And that's what made it so impactful because there's so much subtlety in this movie where you saw that earlier scene where it's like, don't go down this path. And yeah. then you see how this kid responded around a gun for the first time. And it actually, it's like, it's really powerful. Well, there's that point that I was talking about with the turning point that that scene. And it's so funny because like us, you know, watching it, especially if you've seen the first one, you know about Denzel, you know about what he does and stuff like that. But to his neighbors, he's just this regular guy yeah. who's an Uber driver. Yeah, he's and an it, Uber driver. And it's in this so movie. funny because you see this turning point where obviously it shows this kid, you know, involved really not with the right people in the, in the wrong things. And he's trying to be, you know, this tough man, like gangster type guy, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, Denzel kind of just wakes this kid up and it's like from zero to a hundred where he shows, you know, you don't even know what tough is type of thing. Like, it, yeah. and it actually takes you by shock because this, the actor did such a great job of really actually emoting his feeling of a kid that literally is just like, whoa, and what, what, who is this guy? This and is I spent intense. the whole movie thinking like this kid who's playing like the neighbor miles is so good. And when I say kid, I mean, I thought he was supposed to be like 21 or 22. I think his character is supposed to be more like 17, 17. or something. That's what I thought, um, 17. I spent this whole movie being like, this kid is so good. Like, he's going to be huge. You know, where have I seen him before? Only to realize this is the kid, well, the movie Moonlight that won Best Picture. Uh, the, the, the Moonlight that lost and then won Best Picture. <laughs> the mm -hmm. year of the La La Land controversy. Um, that, that movie was basically showing three periods of one character's life. So you had... One actor playing him when he was like 10 years old, one actor playing when he was like 15, and one actor playing when he was like 22 or whatever. And he played the younger, or I guess the, the teenage version in the teenage segments of Moonlight. Uh, I mean, and that was the best stuff I felt in Moonlight as well. But yeah, this this kid's fantastic. Uh, most of the cast, I mean, they're just there. Yeah, uh, throwaways. And the personal story that Denzel has, I actually thought that was the least interesting enough because there are little side adventures he has. There's a side adventure with an old man, which I gotta be honest, like, if, if there's a flaw of this movie, it's the side plot with the old man, which I, it's one of the final scenes in the movie, and I still have no idea what that was about. I would zone out during the old man's plot. <laughs> so, I, I, I knew what it was about, but again, like, it's just it. part of it being very slow. But I do have to comment, though, I, I loved, you know, watching uh, the movie in the theater with you, and every single time there was a scene on where, you know, he has his watch and he goes, beep! And oh, stuff like man. that to time that you literally were like <laughs> giggling like a little girl you know, and looking at me like <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while a movie gives me a reaction that I don't expect um, it, you know a, a good example of that is for a movie that's not even necessarily a great movie just a movie that I thought was just a blast was Now You See Me and you, you remember seeing that in theater with me I could not stop smiling that whole movie I just thought like this is so much fun it's magicians I, I always loved like the magicians and illusionists growing up maybe before what it was I didn't have the same reaction to the first equal. I think I definitely had like, oh, that was great. 
but I didn't have the same reaction like when he would get violent. And I'm not one of these people when and I watch an action movie, even though I'm a huge fan of like John Wick and Die Hard and Jack Reacher uh, and so many others. I'm not the person that's like when they start beating people up, I'm like, yeah, give it to them. I like action. I like the way it's presented, but I'm not the type to get giddy. And that almost would make me, the way it's described, it almost makes me sound like, you know, I'm sadistic and I like to see people hurt. It's not that. It's the way that this character is. And this is why I love these movies. He's so tough without actually having to talk or try try to come across as so tough. Yes. He, he, He just is. It's more than that because it's about the fact that, like, he's called the equalizer for a reason. I mean, this is a guy who's trying to set things right to, to make things equal, you know, to, uh, to, I, to do right the things think, once put wrong. I actually didn't even think about the name. That actually makes a lot yeah. of sense. <laughs> but what it is, is that, you know, before he never just goes out and does something violent. You know, the, the best example is a scene that's in the trailer where, uh, him as the Uber driver is just told, drop this girl off at home. And you see this girl's all messed up. She's drunk. She's been drugged or something. And he just shows back up at the apartment and is like, hey, you know that girl? I, uh, I didn't take her home. I had to take her to the hospital. And then he's like, I'm going to give you one chance to make this right. <laughs> you have one option here. Uh, you're going to make this all right and I'm going to hurt you all. And it's not because of like, yeah, give it to him. These guys deserve to die. He's never going to kill them. It's just, you know that these guys are going to get what's coming to them, but not in a way where it's like, you know, people deserve to be hurt. This just, the way it's presented, it feels like, this is the right way for these guys to be punished. And Denzel's never going to hurt so, a person so more. So they don't do it to someone he, else. He knows the level he has to go to. The opening scene in the movie, which is kind of just a cool pre-title scene, like a very James Bond-like thing, where it's its own mission that really has not much to do with the rest of the movie. You know, he gives a guy a choice. Like, there's two types of pain. I'm going to give you the option of which type of pain you want. He's never going to go further than he needs to go. And the reason I would get giddy watching these is because he's going to deliver exactly the amount of pain that these people deserve. And the people... When he's doing this, they always have that moment where the characters that he's about to beat up or, or hurt or do whatever, there's a moment where they're always like, all right, I know I deserve this now. Bring it on. <laughs> and that's why I love this because it feels justified in a way. Not yeah. that violence is, should be justified, I, but the I way that this you. movie presents it and the way that this Denzel character, he has such a good heart in hurting people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's, and I, the, I would get giddy watching it. These these people that he is doing this to, they are uh, portrayed to be genuinely bad people. And yeah. this is to prevent them trying to be bad in the future. So honestly, he is trying to set them in the right road, even in the same sense that he is with his neighbor. Although, you know, with the neighbor, it's more gentler. But I mean, with these people, he's trying to hurt them in a good way, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And there's other parts of this movie, like, cause he has so many little adventures here and there. You know, th- this is more a movie about just watching what this guy's life is like on a yeah. daily basis than it is about here's this mission he's on and he needs to do this and find this person. And he does he does uh, some people up though too, and uh, he weighs out like you're saying he weighs out you know how much damage does one person need like and I won't spoil anything, but one part of the movie where there's you know uh, there's a whole group of people there that he is hurting mm-hmm. and most of these people you know he has broken stuff on them and yeah. they're bleeding so badly and for one person he just literally breaks the guy's hand yeah that's and that's all that he does because, yeah exactly because that's all that that one person like, needed you know I knew that you were just along, along for the ride on this but you still deserve this give yeah. me your hand yeah exactly <laughs> he's like, give me a five star review on Uber or whatever exactly yeah <laughs> but the, the other and, scene and, I was talking about, and then about, you see it ding, and you see the five star, and yeah. you just kind of laugh. Yeah, that yeah. one's straight out of the trailer, which is great. Um, 
the one I was referring to was, uh, and again, I don't want to give anything away, but it's a moment where he goes in this room and there's a whole bunch of people there. And he's like, listen, I have no beef with you, but you're going to do what I tell you to do right now. Look in my eyes. You know I'm going to hurt you all if you fight me on this. And he just sort of gives them the choice. It's like, you know, let me and whoever else walk away and then I'll let you live. And he just does. He's like, I'm not going to hurt any of you. It's like, but but they just cower because he's so good. Denzel just owns this character. And I think one thing that's interesting is that he has never done a sequel before. And that's the when this movie was announced, it was sort of a thing in the media became a big deal. It's like Denzel's never done a sequel before. And in promoting this, people keep talking about it. Now that's the big thing everywhere. People are like, oh yeah, can you believe Denzel's never done a sequel before? And... It's funny because I would think the same thing, and even when I saw Sicario a few weeks ago with my brother, he was saying the same thing, like, Denzel's never done a sequel before, this is a big deal. And I thought to myself, when I heard Denzel promoting this on Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy Kimmel's like, you know, have you been offered a lot of sequels? He goes, believe it or not, not really. He's like, what, what were they going to offer me the sequel to, Malcolm X2? <laughs> it's not like Denzel's had a lot of sequel opportunity. Mm-hmm. So what I think is so great about this is that they hit on a character where I think even for Denzel, he doesn't care what the movies are about. He just cares. Like, this character is fun to play. There are so many things you can do in this. And the movie is kind of unique. It's different from all the other ones, like I said, with Jack Reacher and others, because it's just this guy's life and you can have the mini adventures. And one of the things that I enjoy about this is that you watch it, and I think you got frustrated watching this, where they would have these little side plots. You don't know which ones are going to connect to the big story. You get an idea early on. Mm-hmm. When you have, like, the Bill Pullman and the Melissa Leo characters who kind of tie into his backstory about what he did before he was retired or whatever. In the first movie, you know, he meets up with them close to the end of the movie and you know this is where the main plot's going to go. Here, that story happens very early and you know this is what the big story of the movie's going to be about, this, uh, this hit, these mysterious assassinations and stuff. But you don't know how the other stories are going to tie into it. Uh, and I think it was, it was definitely... A little bit more labor intensive to get to the point in this one than the first one was. Well, I was going to say, I think that maybe even part of it might be just me uh, for who I am because I already have a really hard time, and people probably laugh when they hear this, but I already have a really hard time actually staying awake in movie theaters. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just bring up John Wick, which you love? You fell asleep 10 minutes in, and it was only when they were about to kill the dog. I'm like, Jamie, you need to see this. I know, yeah. And actually, it's funny because even when we went to go see this, I think there was twice where I kind of started to nod off a little bit. And you kind of you kind of nudged me, gave me a good nudge. And you're like, Jamie, I paid good money for this movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, don't fall asleep. I paid good money for this movie. Yeah. And um, it's it's kind of funny. So, I mean, part of it might be just kind of me anyways because I have a hard time following, uh, you know, with Star Wars, uh, Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> that one, I actually fell asleep uh, several different parts of the movie and i had to see the movie four times no, no, no. you fell asleep the exact same part all three times and it was the scene where han solo comes to his end yeah and the movie finished Spoiler! the first time and you're like what happened to han solo i'm like you seriously slept through that part so i explained it to you but then we went back a second time and you fell asleep at the exact same part and like jamie we went a third time i'm like jamie you're gonna you started to fall asleep like five minutes before that i'm like no matter what you do you can sleep for the rest of the movie you are staying awake for this scene right here but i think i think though if i remember correctly i was pregnant too so 
it made it even harder for me to stay awake. That's no excuse. But um, but anyways, it wasn't yeah. like it was the last Jedi. That I understand you sleeping through. <laughs> so I was gonna say, you know, what? that makes it harder. But you know, this might be something to say more closer to the end of the review. But I wonder though, at this point, you know, I know he hasn't been offered a whole lot of sequels, but I wonder at this point, with the end of the movie and how it ends and stuff like that, you know, um, how it shows his point of having closure or not because i don't want to spoil anything uh, i i wonder if there's any potential for a third movie no i like there's ties to the first movie i mean as far as like his closure the only thing we really know about this guy is that his wife died yeah in this one we find out a little bit more about his backstory and more about, about her, what he did for like a living he had a bakery and yeah like his private life because we get to see him go home that's yeah. kind of the climax of this one of the things that's really interesting and again we talk about the subtlety of this movie um just before i get to that point is they say probably about 45 minutes into this movie, uh, they're looking out at the ocean, like they're in Boston here, and they're looking out at the ocean, and they're like, oh, it looks like there's a storm coming. And you just see, like, gloomy clouds in the distance. The movie then goes on for another week after that, and every single scene in the movie, they just progress what the weather's like a little bit. And it was a subtle way of kind of building, because this movie is, because it does go back and forth between all these mini-adventures, you need to build the tension one way or another. And that's what I think held my interest, and you're probably going to disagree with this completely, but I started to pick up on the fact that the very next scene, they would show uh, a little bit of a wind gust. It's still sunny, but now there's a wind gust. The first time, it's just gloomy clouds in the distance, somebody saying a storm's coming. Then you get a bit of a wind gust. You know, Then you get, it's a cloudy day, and then it gets, wow, it's really windy today, and then you see the rain start. And by the end, this whole movie ends basically in a hurricane. You know, in his, this everything old dilapidated house he's Everything in. you just said literally sounds so freaking boring. No, it's, it was a subtle way if to I build wanna tension. See it, if I want to see all that, I'll, <laughs> I'll watch that movie or that show that's on Netflix. It's like I Survived or whatever it's called. Or I'll watch like National Geographic. No, I love the whole what weather you, setting in this. What, like, you, what you just said was you, so boring. Can you honestly tell me? <laughs> you're so boring no, right can now. Can you honestly tell me? <laughs> you're spitting. Colin, you're spitting. <laughs> can you honestly tell Kirk, me? Kirk, you're spitting. <laughs> can you honestly tell me that you didn't like the hurricane setting of the the big action finale of this movie which they really upped the action compared to the first one you know honestly i don't want to spoil anything for anybody so i won't talk about anything specific but you, you just shut your mouth no <laughs> but uh, but honestly the end that what you're talking about there no i wasn't you didn't really... like that I'm the shootout in the abandoned town? I wasn't going to say that I don't like it, but I, I'm just saying I wasn't super impressed. Oh, I loved it. I actually... And I, I wonder, with one part of the movie, there's all these pictures that are all, are all around town. When did he have the time to put up all these pictures? What are you talking about? There's pictures all over the town of Susan. I didn't see that. Yeah. Maybe she was just a popular person that no. time. No. <laughs> I'd have to go back it and was, watch it again. It was like them, uh, him trying to throw, you know, stuff in their face. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, I'll have to watch it again, which and, I will. Anyway, the end, though, came and I'm just like, really? No. I, like, here's um... the thing. The movie's gotten very mixed response. For the most part, it is your classic example of a mixed-reviewed movie. Uh, I'll go to, like, Rotten Tomatoes right now. And again, I'm not, like, the biggest percent of like rotten tomatoes is this or that i think the rating just tells you a lot about where people are because the problem is oh, if you get a movie oh, that's 50, like 50 50 no but hold on if you get a movie that is um 50 of rotten tomatoes or in this case 51 percent uh that's just simply saying 51 percent of critics gave it a positive review 
the negative ones may have been marginally negative. The positives may have been insanely positive. That's why you kind of have to go as a whole. Audience score, this one's much better. 7.6. I just bumped the microphone. I don't know if anybody heard that. Um, Equalizer 2 on IMDb. Let's look at where the audience response is. Because the wonderful thing I found is that audience response overall, the the audiences they're polling, is stronger for Equalizer 2 than it was for Equalizer 1. 7.2 on IMDb. So that's pretty good. Uh, the audience is definitely responding to this more than the critics are. In comparison, Mama Mia. I want to watch that. A seven point four. Come on. Yeah, it's better, right? It's not better. The first uh, one was actually like a pretty good movie, but we're not here talking about Mama Mia. Please never make me talk but about I'm that. But I'm excited again. to go see the second one with my mom. Are you? Are you just excited knowing that it has a seventy nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes? Better than Equalizer two. Uh, well, apparently they they put their earplugs in when Meryl Streep even the audience score is better because they put their earplugs in when Meryl Streep and Pierce Brosnan were singing like in no world is that better than Equalizer but seriously it seems like such a good movie it does not but anyways um, let's quickly wrap this up because you keep pointing about something in the distance that you need to do our son needs to wake up oh well he's sick let him sleep Um, so this is the first sequel Denzel's ever done um, I like the idea about the hurricane too. The Reuben Carter ruins the Oscars story. Uh, do you know the story about the hurricane? No. Okay, so that was the true story. We played Reuben Carter, who was a real life famous boxer in the '60s, who got put away for murder for a crime he didn't commit, and spent 30 years trying to get out when it was like very clear he never committed this. In real life, the movie The Hurricane comes out, and there is so much buzz where it's like it's a lock. Denzel Washington is going to win the Academy Award for Best Actor, and. The real-life Reuben Carter comes out when the movie's getting universal praise and says they're never going to give him the Oscar because the Academy's racist. At that point, he loses all steam. The Oscar ends up going to Kevin Spacey for American Beauty. Uh, I think that would make a hilarious sequel. you got to tell me one Denzel Washington movie that you want to see a sequel of uh, that, I, I guess, uh, not counting the Equalizer. Uh, let's bring up his filmography here. I have a feeling I know which one you're going to say. Uh, I don't know where... It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I don't know uh, whether there's potential for it or not. But I'll kind of point to the one that I think that uh, you're going to want a sequel for. That's the one that I was going to say. Man on Fire. I really like that movie. Yeah, I mean, Inside Man, there was talk of a sequel for that for a while. Deja Vu, I loved Deja Vu. Yeah, so I think there is potential for some sequels here. And Book of Eli could have had a sequel. Um, Flight, I'd like to see the sequel to Flight where he's back on the bottle and, I don't know, like, sailing a, a ship or oh, geez, driving a train <laughs> uh the one he made with chris uh pine what was that unstoppable the train one yeah they gave like a speed to they make it unstoppable too there's lots of denzel washington stuff out there but i'm glad that this is the one where you got the sequel to is this a great movie no is it anywhere near as good thank as the you. first is it anywhere near as good as the first no no but thank you there's still so much stuff here that's fun and i just i love this character i, love, I would watch it i again. love the world he lives in enough that I still like this movie. Now, I, the interesting I would watch is, it again. you spent all, oh, come on. See, I knew you would do this. You spent the movie three or four times turning to me and saying, you know, I like some things with this movie, but it's just, it's so boring. It is so boring. You felt the need to tell me that every single moment but, that you were awake. But it's not so awful like that mummy movie. Well, the mum, that's what I thought you would say because here's the thing for the mummy. You did nothing but complain, and then you tried to say you would buy the movie, and I think eventually uh, you changed that to a rent. No, I said that I would buy it because I have the whole collection. Okay, but that's not what the reviews are. Anyway, what would you do? Would I buy this movie? No. Okay, so would you rent it? 
if it was give an honest recommendation. Okay, okay. See, that is an answer. That's Not a little... would you rent it for me for Valentine's Day? No, that's a little bit more of a complicated answer because you know that I'm going to end up probably buying this for you for Valentine's Day or, <laughs> or some other geriatric movie. But geriatrician. That's what I mean. But um, if it was on TV, I would probably record it because I know you would want to watch it. Would I watch it at home alone by myself? No. What this is? Would, what this would, is would is I, what would, would you I, recommend this would movie for? Would I pay for? money to rent it? No. Okay, so this is what this is supposed to be because you take this so literally every time we do the reviews, and we've had this argument on the Mummy. We had this argument on Red Sparrow, a movie where I spent the whole time I saying like it was the one. worst movie of the year. You didn't disagree with anything I said, and then you said I would buy this movie. I liked it. I liked it. So let's be realistic here. What this rating is is not just necessarily would you personally buy this rented or bin it. What would you recommend a person to do with their money? Is this worth paying your money for? Is it worth just checking out if it's on TV or renting it on iTunes or I just explained Netflix? that. But you didn't give your recommendation of would you buy it, rent it, or bin it. That's what this episode's about. I wouldn't spend any money on it. So I'd what watch, would you do? Would you I'd bin wa- it then? I'd watch it if it was on TV. I'd bin it. Okay, so you're going to bin the Equalizer 2. I'm, you bought Red Sparrow. Yeah. That's you right. rented the mummy, which I liked, but you rented the mummy. I'm gonna give this this equalizer to a six point one out of ten. That's still positive. That's that's higher than the Rotten Tomato score, and it's actually positive on the positive side. But, uh, but you I'm, have to give it a five or a four point nine for it to be a binet. But I'm a really good person. We establish you're not because you don't talk to people on public <laughs> transportation. Apparently, okay. only Keanu Reeves okay, does. F- four point one. A 4.1? That's just cruel. Knocking it down two pegs. That's just cruel. Um, No, you're wrong. (laughs) This is what I knew would happen. I will bring it up again. You bought Red Sparrow but didn't disagree with any of my criticisms. And I still say Red Sparrow, at least of the major movies that have come out this year, is the most messed up, sloppy, pointless movie of the year. Colin. This movie is fun, at least. Colin. It has slow moments, but it's fun. Colin. What? Do you still love me? No. No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> this marriage is over. Yeah, you want Tenzel to go find you a new wife? I'm sure he'd find me a good one. I mean, he's the equalizer. <laughs> That's what he's going to do for my life. You know, some kids, he gets them off the street. You know, some people, he, he, he helps them get their wedding ring back or whatever. Some old men, he does something that I can't explain what because it was the worst part of the movie. Maybe, but maybe. for me, he's going to find me a wife worthy of my movie taste, which is great Jerry action films starring man's men who can equalize stuff. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, and you can go find a nice saint who speaks to people on well, the bus. You know, in my defense, I really like... You can take the bus this week, I'll take the car, and you go find yourself a nice person who agrees with your opinion on... Equalizer 2 and also thoroughly agrees that Mamma Mia was a great movie. In my defense, I so like Red Sparrow. I like Japanese anime and you like like none of it. That explains why you love the pretentiousness of Red Sparrow. I liked it. That was good. You should have liked this. Yeah. And uh what's that? That guy is the best James Bond. Timothy Dalton is not the best James Bond. See, I know you're doing this to bug me now. <laughs> And uh, Gods of Egypt was a terrible movie. No, I, I'm telling you, okay, I'm... I'm you're, you, you know, nobody's going to believe you're... If, if people have not seen The Equalizer 2, and they're listening to this saying, I wonder if it's going to be any good, I wonder what they say. They're going to hear my opinion, they're going to be like, well, he makes some solid points, I think that he sounds credible. They're going to hear you say, I like Mamma Mia, I like Gods of Egypt, I like Red Sparrow, I didn't like The Equalizer 2. They're going to be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. That's okay. Yeah, that's... You, 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 nobody you, believes you. <laughs>
But you know what? Sometimes tastes change too with time. Like how I told you that I, I watched Hackers recently. Ugh. And I talked about that movie so long for like 10 plus years about how amazing it was. And oh, I wish I could watch it again. I watched it. I found that the opening credits were so painful and annoying to get through. I skipped the opening credits and then I actually still watched it for another 15 minutes. So I got 17 minutes-ish into it. And I'm like, you know what? I wanted to keep going watching this just to prove Colin wrong yeah. and tell him, you know what? You're wrong. It's such a great movie. And I'm like, you know what? This is so freaking dumb. It's awful. <laughs> and who wrote this crap? Like, and I told you for years, that movie is terrible. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways. Oh, it's, it's awful. Like, all these sparks and stuff like that that come from people hacking. And, like, nobody uses a mouse on any of these movies <laughs> with, like, computer. Everybody always uses just a keyboard. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Anyway, so you're officially bidding Equalizer 2, which disgusts me. Yeah, and I'm and, not going to buy it, by the way. And I'm bidding Hackers as well. Good. I'm, we're going to give a review on Hackers too. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to burn Hackers. How about that? Um, you should I'm watch not... that one. I'm interested to see what you see. No. We should, we should no. review it for fun. Well, if you're <laughs> suggesting doing an episode, all you're going to end up doing is an hour into that episode, you're going to be complaining, this is taking too long. Well, it probably wouldn't take an hour to review that. We'd probably be done heckling it within 35 You'd minutes. You'd think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to me heckle Titanic for five hours. Anyways, believe it or not, I'm not buying this movie. Because in all fairness, I think the the holy grail for um, Jerry action films is really the, 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 tri the trio of Jack Reacher, John Wick, and Equalizer. Uh, and when this genre took off with Liam Neeson in uh, Taken... And then so many other ones came after him, and I, I thought, these are all, like, good, cheap entertainment, but then you get kind of like what gangster movies, The Godfather was for gangster movies, or uh, what Die Hard was for action movies. You get these movies that are just so good, it just blows everything else away, it sets the new standard. That's what Jack Reacher did, and then The Equalizer and John Wick after that. Um, this is not as strong as those three movies, or as strong as especially the first Equalizer movie. So I couldn't honestly say that this is a buy-worthy movie, even though I would love to own it. I'm not going to be as desperate to see this again. Like, there are issues with this movie I can't disagree with. But the good stuff, I thought, outweighed the bad, so I would rent it. Now, I just want to say on that, in comparison, Jack Reacher, or John Wick is above everything else. John Wick 1 and 2 is amazing. But Jack Reacher 1 versus Equalizer 1, Jack Reacher blows it away. Jack Reacher 2 versus Equalizer 2... I take Equalizer 2 over Jack Reacher 2. And I don't think you've seen Jack Reacher 2 yet, but I'm just knowing how big of a fan I am of the first Jack Reacher movie, Tom Cruise, and the books, which I've read like half of the books. You would think I would have loved Jack Reacher 2, and I didn't mind it, but I gotta say, I thought Equalizer 2, with its flaws, is a better sequel. I think this is on better legs as a franchise than the Jack Reacher series is. Um, nowhere near as John Wick, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you've seen... <laughs> one Jack Reacher uh, you slept through half of Equalizer 2 yeah that's true it's okay though alright um, so we'll wrap it up here uh, I'm glad we saw this movie too uh, it was not I, a... I am glad I saw it as well yeah and we'll be here for Equalizer 3 another 2 or 3 years whenever they make it so when Denzel can get a trilogy out of this um, but uh, we got some more stuff coming up as far as movie reviews go Mission Impossible Fallout's coming out this Mama week Mamma Mia 2 and, ha no, and Hackers no but Mission Impossible Month is wrapping up. Uh, we, we did have a week-long delay where Ben and I weren't able to match our schedules up, so we're a week behind on this. So Ghost Protocol came out a few years, uh, a few years ago. <laughs> the movie did. The episode came out a few days ago. And uh, the Rogue Nation uh, one 
is going to come out, I believe, this Friday, which is the same day that Fallout comes out. So you can expect a review shortly after that. But I just found out recently that Fallout's like a week or two behind in Australia. So Ben may or may not see it right away. I know Jamie and I are going to see it, so we'll bring you some review of Fallout by the end of the weekend. But you also have to listen to the Rogue Nation uh, final of our Mission Impossible coverage uh, in a couple of days. <clears throat> yes. That's it. I gotta go get Casper up now. All right. So say my name is Jamie, and I gotta go get Casper up. Um, why? I already told people who I am. They already <laughs> know who I am. We're trying to close out an episode here. You clearly never listened to the network that you're on. My name is Jamie, and behind door number two is a brand new blender. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> And my name is Colin, and behind door number one is... A Dennis. brand new car! We already established that. you got to say door number three. And behind door number three <laughs> is an obnoxious wife who doesn't know anything about geriatric <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.